Hey, and welcome to Bad Decisions, the podcast that helps us understand why we choose what we choose, why we think what we think, and how to exploit this stuff for fun and commercial gain. That right there is my co-host, Dr. Mel Weinberg. She's a performance psychologist. And that over there was my co-host, Dan Monheit, co-founder of Hard Hat. I'm also the guy that tells cops to play the music. Play the music. All right, yo, Mel, uh, hey, can I ask you a favor? Okay. Let's get right into this. Can you please introduce the heuristic that we are going to be talking about this episode? I could. Uh, what are you going to do for me? If you introduce the heuristic, I will uh, make this podcast infinitely more fun and entertaining for our listeners. Sounds like a deal. All right. <laughs> All right what, do you, what do you got? <laughs> the, uh, the heuristic that we're going to talk about today is the reciprocity bias. Ooh, the reciprocity bias is the tendency to reciprocate actions that others have done towards us. It's sort of simple in its definition like that. You do something good for me, I'll do something good for you. Simple as that. I like it. That's all we've got time for today. No, it's not (laughs) all we've got time for. We have heaps of time. We have infinity time. We can talk about the reciprocity bias in so much more detail. Yeah, well, it's it's a big and it's big and important one because uh, really it is the underpinning of most of what we would consider modern society, right? Yeah, I mean, there are two key reasons, I guess, why this reciprocity bias exists, right? Let me talk you through them. The first is that we have an inherent desire as human beings to cooperate with one another. Some more than others. <laughs> Some more than others, but generally yeah. as part of you know a healthy functioning society, we need to have this system whereby I'll do good things for you and at some point you'll return those favours to me. So putting good things out into, into the world and expecting that at some point they will be returned, yeah? Oh, this is like the, the karma bias. Well, yeah, the whole idea of treat others as you would like to be treated. If I treat you nicely, the whole premise is that at some point in time you're going to treat me nicely in return. That's sort of part one. Part two, the other sort of reason why we have this reciprocity bias has to do with this inherent desire for balance in our world. So I think about this as um, like this idea of emotional harmony that we seek. Do you like that term? I've just created it. Emotional harmony. Yeah, I mean, it kind of sounds like a slightly awkward dating app, but we can go with that. <laughs> oh, what if we call it e- eHarmony for short? <laughs> oh, God. Maybe I'll think of something else. However, um, the idea is that when you do something nice for somebody else, if I do if I do a favor for you, essentially I've put you into this state where you now owe me. Right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I've so, been watching Prison Break. I see how this works. <laughs> now so, I owe you. Yes. So I've I've induced essentially an unpleasant emotional state in you whereby now you are indebted to me. And this is actually a really good place for me to be in because I essentially have capital with you. So that if sometime in the future this is, I'm in trouble or I'm in a situation where I need help. I know that I can call on you because you owe me one. So here's the thing. You're in a situation, an emotionally unpleasant situation, because you feel indebted to me. And so you're motivated to try and resolve that emotion, to try and create harmony or emotional balance. And so the only way to do that is for you to even the score, is to you, it's for you to repay me so that you no longer feel in debt. Yeah. So the perverse irony here is that you doing a favor for me is actually a real dog act because now I feel bad because you've done something and I've done nothing. Thanks. This is, where we, this is where we realize the undoing of the yeah. human race essentially is that there is no yeah. such thing as altruism. Nothing is for free. If I do nice for you, ultimately it's only because at some point I want to get something in return. 
Yeah, and this explains that weird uneasiness we've all had, whether it's like being out with a friend or going out, you know, when you're when you're grown up and then you go out for family dinners again and you argue about who's going to pay. And on one hand, the person saying, no, 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 I'll pay, I'll pay, it's fine, is like masquerading like they're doing a really nice thing. But by doing that, everybody else really kind of feels like a loser or awkwardly indebted to this person. It's like, no, seriously, can, like, can you actually just let me pay? Because I don't want to owe you, friend. Sometimes, Dan, I don't know if you've ever done this, and I'm not saying that I have, but what, what you might do to really take advantage of this situation is that you might, if, if you happen to be going out for dinner with a group of people on your payday, when your bank account is all of a sudden just being full, you might go, you know what, I'll take this one. Because next week when you go out for dinner and it's not your pay week, it would actually be beneficial for somebody else to pick up the bill then. But I don't yeah. want to talk about manipulating people. Into no, too, we're not doing much. that. But, but it, it, it does explain why we sort of feel uncomfortable. If, if you go out with the same person often and they're constantly buying you coffee, why at, at some point it just kind of feels yuck and icky, which is irrational because you should just feel grateful and wonderful about it. Isn't it interesting that this whole thing sort of relies on us trusting the other person's intentions? I, if I don't trust that you're doing something just out of the generosity of your heart, then yeah. I'm really going to feel indebted, hey? Absolutely. And I mean, we, we did talk about this as being a, a pretty core attribute of humans. And if I think about you know, one of the biggest differentiators between humans and all other species is our ability to cooperate with one another at scale and therefore organize ourselves into groups and civilizations and religions and companies. And that is all just unspoken, largely unspoken cooperation between people. And I imagine that the reciprocity bias has a lot to do with that, because if you don't trust that other people are going to return your behavior back to you, that the whole thing's just going to fall in a heap. Well, that's right. Nobody wants to be in a society or in a social relationship where they feel like they're being taken advantage of. So that's sort of the downside, that if you continually trust and you don't get anything in return, then you're basically putting yourself out there at a disadvantage. So societies fall apart, relationships don't work. There's no, there is no trust in the world. Yeah. So this feels absolutely right, but I know that feeling is usually not good enough for you. There must be somebody who has done some research to prove that actually we all owe each other. So uh, let's go dig into the archives. What do you got for us? All right. Hit the research music. No, I'm the guy that tells Copper when to do the music. Okay. I thought we established this in the intro. Could you please? Cops, can we get some, re- <laughs> some research music, please? It's so... Um, in a study, a 2006 study by Stromets and friends uh, slash colleagues, um, they conducted an experiment in a restaurant in New York. And basically what happened was they they manipulated participants. Well, I wouldn't say that. I would say that they introduced a manipulation into the study uh, and it happened towards the end of the dining experience at the point where customers are presented with the bill. And basically what happened was at random, some of the diners were given a piece of chocolate with the bill. You know that after dinner mint that oh, sits, yeah. that sits with that. it? Yep. Yep. And, I'm so uh, full. And, oh, I'm not that full. I could eat I'll just chocolate. have that. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> small. <laughs> and others weren't. So others were just given the check. And the results of the study suggested that those who were given the piece of chocolate, as long as there was one chocolate for each diner, right? So you don't just want to have one chocolate for the table because that's going to make everyone fight over it. But if there were enough chocolates for everybody, then those who were given the piece of chocolate tipped significantly more than those who were given nothing. And so the implication of that is that they felt the need to return the favour after having been the recipient of the kindness slash the chocolate. Yeah. So look, I'm not going to lie because I, I heard about this and I thought this was quite interesting as well. I dived in as well. And when you say significantly more, what I saw that it was like almost 20% more that was tipped just for getting a 
you know, little chocolate on the dish, which says to me, if you're a restaurant not giving out chocolates, you've got to get your shit together because uh, you're leaving money on the table. <laughs> Literally. So it's not just restaurants, right? We see this all over the place. All over the place. Yeah, it seems that many, many businesses have worked out that if you can just kind of do a little favor for somebody, uh, even though there is no legal or logical reason why they would have to return that favor, there absolutely feels like there is a, a moral one. So some of the places where we see this, are if you've ever been to a cellar door experience, right? You go to a cellar door experience at a winery, there is absolutely no obligation for you to buy anything. But I pity the fool that spends half an hour, 45 minutes talking to the, you know, the owners of the vineyard, learning about the different types of wine, tasting all of the different types of wine, and then walking out with nothing. Like you just, you can't do that. You're a terrible person. You are not going to be able to sleep at night if you do that. Um, we see this in, you know, new form retail stores. If you look at the best retailers in the world, so guys like Lululemon who have free yoga classes happening in a lot of their, their retail spaces, or we see Apple stores putting on events with creators, you know, talking about their work and showcasing films inside Apple stores. All of these create a sense of indebtedness for the person in there absorbing all of that value. And maybe the, the last example of this I'll give is the last time I went to buy some running shoes, it was time to actually buy functional shoes, not just shoes that kind of looked cool because I was actually going to use them to run a, a, quite a distance. So I thought I better go to one of those proper running shops where they have like the real podiatrists and physios and stuff actually fitting you for the shoes. And instead of going in and picking a nice pair off the wall, you go in, you have a little chat, they put you on the treadmill, they look at how you walk, they record it, they talk you through it, they give you a proper consultation, try a few different things. You know, and eventually you whittle down the hundreds of different shoes I've got into the ones that fit your gait, your heel strike, the way that you like to run. And you kind of know at this point that I could buy these shoes right now or I could walk out and find them on the internet and probably save $10. And rationally, if we were rational actors, that would be the right thing to do because the, the time I've just spent is a sunk cost, can't get it back and $10 is $10. But that the moral obligation, you know, the indebtedness, the reciprocity that we feel to reward the person who's just spent this time with you is kind of what keeps the world spinning around. Wow, are you saying that people aren't always rational in their decisions? Uh, occasionally it has occurred to me that people are not always rational in their decisions. In fact, some of the decisions that they make are even bad. We should call a podcast after that. Um, I said I'd be doing the jokes. <laughs> I'm doing the jokes. How about I do, I'll stick with the research because I have another yeah, you, research study for you uh, that speaks to a practical example. You do the research, I'll do the jokes and the bit where I tell cops when to play the music. Right. Stay in your lane, Mel, is the message I'm getting. <laughs> okay, so we've talked about some examples of where where it would be what you call direct reciprocity, where there's a mutually beneficial relationship established where I can do something for you and you can do something for me and we can all work mm -hmm. out even. But there are some instances where direct reciprocity isn't actually possible or perhaps appropriate. And so there are some alternatives. So here's what we're going to do is we're going to hack the reciprocity bias and just level up a minute, okay? And so I'm going to use the example and, um, and a research study that was done in hotel rooms. So, you know, when you go into a hotel room and you walk into the mm -hmm. bathroom and there's that sign that says, help us save the environment. Uh, you can show your respect for nature. Help save the environment by reusing your towels during your stay. And so they're trying to push you to reuse your towels. But all they've really got to go on is the idea that it's really good for the environment. Please do the right thing. Yeah, and this has always sort of struck a strange chord with me because it's like, okay, you guys have got five swimming pools and lush gardens to maintain and you want me to reuse my towels even though I'm paying you all this money to stay here? So I see why this is a situation where this direct reciprocity doesn't really work because we've got established guardrails for this relationship. 
I'm paying you money. You're giving me a service. You can't come back now and try and discourage me from using the service that I'm paying you all this money for. Right. So some researchers wanted to see if they could um, apply the reciprocity bias, but in a slightly different way to help increase the rate at which people would reuse the towels. And so they had three conditions. The first was the standard one, please help save the environment, show your respect, reuse your towels during your stay. Okay. The next situation, they said, partner with us to help save the environment. In exchange for your participation in this program, we at the hotel will donate a percentage of the savings to a non-profit environmental protection organisation. So they're saying if you reuse your towels, we'll do something good in return by donating to this third party. And then in the third condition, they had a bit of a different message. The third group were told, we're doing our part for the environment. We've actually already made a donation on behalf of the hotel and all of its guests. Thanks for playing along with us and reusing your towels during your Uh, stay. The old thank me for the thing I haven't done yet (laughs) trick. And would you believe, Dan, that when it came to actually looking at the rate at which guests were reusing their towels, they found that that third condition, uh, that what they call reciprocity by proxy condition, they were 50% more likely to reuse their towels than people in the other groups. Wow. I mean, I love this. I like This is like when you walk into shops that have a sign that says, thank you for not touching the displays versus yep. please don't touch the displays. Like it's it's such a nicer way of putting it across and no doubt more effective because when it says please don't touch the displays that just tells me to touch the displays it must be good otherwise why would they put the sign there there's something worth touching seriously i'm touching everything and before you know it you've knocked everything over i know i know and then talk about feeling indebted hey they should have just thanked me first for not doing it so i think it's important that we also highlight that this doesn't always just work for positive actions right Uh, yes the same works in reverse so we got to be careful with this because you know, there's one thing to return a favour, but the flip side of this is the idea of an eye for an eye, that if you do something to hurt or if you do something negative, the instinct and the tendency is going to be to hurt somebody back to even the score. This is true. And I think that's a, that's a really good segue into getting onto what brands should do about this. Because, um, I mean, the, the baseline stuff is pretty obvious. It's like, if you're a brand, do something good for people and they'll do something good back. And, you know, we see a lot of this, especially in times of crisis, brands going out of their way to do things for um, people who have suffered at the hands of natural disasters or in like more recent times seeing companies do free food or drinks or dry cleaning for NHS workers, which is fantastic. It seems obvious to just say, yeah, do nice things for customers and they will feel indebted to you. But I think there is more to it than that. And if we if we sort of analyze what it takes to make this thing really work, it seems like there are three conditions. So the first is, the brand has to be the first to give. So you can't say, oh, if you do this, then we'll do that. If you reuse your towels, we'll make a donation because then it's not reciprocity. Then it's just a commercial rational arrangement that the person can decide if they want to participate in or not. And this is, but this is key. You know, we put talk about this in social relationships as well, that in order to develop trust, somebody has to be the first to put themselves out there. Somebody has to make themselves vulnerable. And as the brand, better that be you. And I guess it is up to the brand to put it out there first and then tie it in with that is to make it unexpected unexpected, and with no stated expectation of return. So it's, it's a thing that you're doing first. It is kind of nice and unanticipated. And you are making it very clear that for coming to this yoga class or for me fitting you with these shoes or for me putting on this presentation for your team, I really, I'm not expecting anything back. I just do this purely out of the love of it. So it's got to be first it's got to be unexpected. And I think the third thing that's really important is that it's got to be personalized, right? Where if it just feels like this is just a deal for everybody, 
uh, that the level of indebtedness and reciprocity that you feel is going to be far smaller than if it feels like this brand or this person has actually gone out of their way to do something specifically for me. Yeah, I think these are all really good really good examples and really key takeaways for how to ensure that you use the reciprocity bias effectively in positive situations. But there's also the idea that sometimes you're trying to balance out a negative emotion. Exactly. Uh, and so I, I think in the same way when the customer has gone first, right, and the customer has gone first because they've just been massively inconvenienced by your brand product service that has messed up. So they've ordered a, a food to be delivered and the food hasn't turned up. So the customer's gone first. And this is why it is so infuriating when this happens to you and you call the service provider and they do not feel like they are responding in kind, you know, where all they'll do is, is refund you for the food that didn't turn up. But what about all the time? What about the ruined occasion? What about all the stress? What about that half hour I've just spent on the phone with you, right? So I think it's really important from a brand perspective to return to a level that is perceived as at least the same indebtedness as the person has gone to for you, if not above and beyond. And this can be a really hard one to gauge because what you're trying to do is um, reestablish the emotional harmony, right? I'm going to keep saying that term the, the until it sticks, right? For sure. <laughs> you get, yeah. you're, you're looking to reestablish that harmony. And so you've got to, if the person has, if the customer has already taken a hit, then you've got to actually see where their emotions are at. And you've got to gauge what it is that they need to overcome that emotion and to restore balance. For sure. So try not to get into that situation in the first place, but if you find yourself there, that's how to overcome it. So I reckon that's pretty much a wrap for the reciprocity bias. You got anything else you wanted to kick in, Mel? I think it's just from the from the sort of human side of things that, you know, we talk about how you can fall victim to the reciprocity bias in a way and what to do in those situations. But I think it's important to realize that reciprocity is a thing that has continued to spur societies forward. So it's not sort of the, the thing that we necessarily need to look to overcome so much. Um, but if we recognize if we're feeling that sense of indebtedness um, then we're in more of a position to go do I actually want this product do I actually want to return the favor or can I actually separate from and go you know what I recognize that I have this instinct to want to buy that wine after having so much of it but you know what I don't need to don't be mean don't be mean they've just spent an hour educating you anyway you go your way I'll go mine I think the other kind of interesting perverse takeaway from here is if you really want to upset somebody just do something nice for them and walk away. <laughs> Create that emotional disharmony no. and then leave them to figure it out. <laughs> you will never buy me a coffee. <laughs> okay. All right, reciprocity bias. Let's put a, a ribbon on it. What? Um, what is it? Reciprocity is the tendency for us to return somebody's positive or negative act with a similar act. Exactly. And uh, if you're a brand, the ingredients for this, it's not just about being nice. It's about going first making it unexpected and clear that you don't want anything in return and uh, as personalized as you can. That's going to work wonders. You know what, Dan? Actually, remember at the start of the episode when he asked me to do that favor for you? Yeah. I feel like it's really paid back. Yeah. I feel like okay. you've really paid back your part of the deal. Call it even then? We'll call it even. All right. See you next Consider one. Consider the act reciprocated. Good. All right. Bye. Bye.